Welcome to Conversations with Alan Wolper, a half-hour audio biography featuring unique personalities whose lives and ideas are on the cutting edge. And now, here's Conversations with Alan Wolper. David Dinkins was the first African-American mayor of New York City. He served from 1990 to 1994. We sat down with him in June 2010 at his office at Columbia University to discuss his legacy, one historians admired after he left office. Dinkins wanted those historians to pay special attention to his role in the Crown Heights racial riots that rocked Brooklyn in 1991. He also analyzed the administrations of former Mayor Rudy Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg, as well as those of the late Ed Koch and Abraham Beam. Since that interview, two former members of the Dinkins administration have occupied City Hall, Mayor Bill de Blasio and his wife, Sherlane McRae. And the first thing that we discussed with Mayor Dinkins was crime in the city. I'm always fascinated by uh, uh, when people speak of levels of crime during particular periods, it is almost always as though on December 31st, 1989, when Ed Koch was mayor, there was no crime. All the crime came the next day, January 1st, 1990, when I was mayor. Think about it. How often do they speak about crime in the 90s? As though there were no crimes at all in 1989. Of course there was a, a high crime level, and uh, we came up with our Safe Street, Safe City program, subtitled Cops and Kids, and um, we got enough money out of Albany uh, to uh, increase the level of cops uh, uh, far, far greater than it had ever been. And as a matter of fact, crime started to go down as early as 91. And it's only been since uh, Ray Kelly has been police commissioner again that people are beginning to acknowledge that that was the case. We had a lot of difficulties in, in uh, Ed Koch's time. As a matter of fact, um, few people remember, uh, but uh, Koch had been a very liberal uh, member of the city council and very liberal member of the Congress. And in his uh, second and third terms, he started to move much to the right. And people forget that uh, Percy Sutton, who had run in 77, and I and Wrangell and Patterson, a whole lot of us. Manhattan, we, Manhattan Borough President, Percy right. Sutton, late Percy Sutton. Exactly. We, we all supported Ed Koch over Mario. Cuomo. Right. But Ed, Ed, Ed Koch uh, had our support. And, uh, but th th as he seemed to move more to the right, we, we and others, uh, unions and others, were dissatisfied with him and they were looking for a candidate to go against him. And I I had run three times for Manhattan Borough President before I succeeded. People used to say to me, what do you do? And I'd say, I run for Borough President. Of Manhattan. Right. So uh, the question was, uh, were I to run and lose, then um, I'd have zero after an enormous effort 
and I could very easily have been reelected by our president. Uh, but I decided to go for it, and uh, because not I don't want this to sound like I I was drafted, but we were that dissatisfied with Ed Koch, particularly because yeah. well he he was Ed was Ed he's he's a, a difficult man at sometimes. So we decided to, to, that I would go up against him, and my opponents were Dick Ravitch, Jay Golden, who had been controller, and I think one of the brightest, most articulate people ever on municipal government. But he just somehow they didn't click with the electorate, and, uh, and of course the incumbent Koch and I, the four of us, and the conventional wisdom was that. I would not succeed because even if I finished first, I wouldn't get 40%. And then in a runoff, each of the other three was Jewish. Their supporters would gang up on me and I would lose. Well, we got over 50%. Did that surprise you? I, we expected to win, but I was surprised to do that well. Why do you think you were able to do that well, considering the other three were all Jewish? I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that a comment on on the people who were voting at that time, the kind of vote, the kind of voters in the Democratic Party. No, I think it. Uh, um, I think I was fortunate, uh, and I was able to 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 turn out and get the votes of uh, large segments of the minority community uh, and I, the white community. Right, but 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 in the black community, I had something like. I don't know, 95% or more of the vote in the primary, that is. And uh, part of the reason for that was that I had been the co-chair of Jesse Jackson's campaign in 88. And we registered a lot of people. So we, we often say, uh, by we I mean Wrangell and Patterson and uh, our leader, Percy, who's now gone, we used to say everybody stands on somebody's shoulders. What did Ed Koch say after you won? Did he agree to support you? Yeah. He told us He, he told he, us that you had an agreement, that yeah, the two of you. That's true. Each of the four of us agreed to support the winner in, in the uh, general election. Uh, said the, uh, the people will have spoken, and, and the, uh, whoever wins the Democratic primaries should get the support of the other three. And so on the, the next day following the election, we assembled on the steps of City Hall, and the three of them endorsed my candidacy. Now I'm up against Rudy. Keep Rudy in mind. Giuliani, former U.S. attorney, and a and kind of a very controversial and loud. But keep in mind, he is, he is not yet America's mayor. Nine uh, Eleven has not yet occurred. I haven't been mayor any at all, so I haven't had time to screw up anything. And. Well, to find out where City Hall really was, right? So here we are, 1.9 million votes cast, and I had a margin of about 160,000. And the distinguished members of the Fourth Estate used to ask me, well, why is it so close? And my response always was, why do you ask? And what did they say? They would press me. They wanted me to say that it was racism, and I felt that that was their job to so analyze 
do we in the media uh, insist that as soon as we see the color of a man's skin, that we demand that he deal with racism as an issue? I, I think uh, I think it is expected that someone of color will have a superior ability to deal with matters of race involving uh, blacks, and I, I suppose that's not unfair. Um, and we we did we did pretty well, but on the wall up there, for instance, is a uh, certificate signed by Felix Rodin, who at the time was the head of the uh, Municipal Assistance Corporation. And and in a brief statement, he gives my administration gives me really the credit for peace in New York City following the Rodney King verdict in California when there were riots all over the country. But I will assure you that right this minute, as we speak, the New York Times and other papers, and where they, they have the beginning of an obituary, because at my age they, they got to be ready, and I will assure you it'll say David Dinkins, born July 10, 1927, in Trenton, New Jersey, first black mayor of the city of New York, the next graph will be Crown Heights. And let's just identify you once again. Former Mayor David Dinkins was the 106th mayor of New York City and the first African-American to run City Hall, a daunting task that is never truly judged until the office holder leaves office and sometimes many, many years afterwards. Crown Heights. There had been a motorcade visiting the Rebbe's grave and the motorcade in, in Brooklyn and uh, the last vehicle in the motorcade fell behind, went through a red light, uh, hopped a curb, and struck two black children, Gavin Cato and his cousin. I think her name was Angela. But uh, Gavin Cato was killed. Uh, the young girl was injured, but, but not, not fatally. And uh, so rumors spread immediately that the uh, ambulances had come and taken away the whites who were injured. There were no whites injured, except the driver of the vehicle. I think that the police or somebody thought it wise to get him out of the area in a hurry. So he, he was dispatched to wherever, and, um, and then the, uh, the children were taken away later. The rumor spread that... Uh, there had been this accident, and uh, they left the black children to die while they spirited away the whites to the hospital. And so uh, the uh, some young blacks were shouting, get the Jew, kill the Jew. And uh, Yankel Rosenbaum, uh, a uh, divinity student from Australia. As Jewish divinity student. Right. And he was... Uh, he was stabbed and was taken to the hospital. I actually visited him in the hospital. We thought he was going to be okay. But the doctors at the hospital overlooked a second wound, which had been noted by the ambulance attendants. And so poor Yanko Rosenbaum died. And then for... Uh, and incidentally, if one reads of it, the the usual way it's phrased is uh, 
There were several several days of rioting, culminating in the death of Yankel Rosenbaum. That's exactly what's been, that's exactly what appeared in a couple of places that right. I've read. And that is just factually inaccurate. Why does it keep happening? Well, I, I don't know, except that some some of it is laziness on the part of reporters. They will, uh, if you have to do a story, they go to the clips and they repeat what has been written and then try to uh, update it, as it were. And uh, But that's just not the way it happened. Now, the way it happened is not good, but it's inaccurate to suggest that the this rioting culminated in his death. He was stabbed early on, within the first couple of hours, maybe, of the accident. And uh, Ed Koch was very upset, and he's still critical of the way you handle this. The police were not sent quickly enough. That was his complaint. Well, he's wrong. But it's not the first time Ed Koch has been wrong. Have you spoken to him about it ever? No, no. And you won't? No, I, I mean, if he raises a question with me or I'm in his presence and somebody raises a question, I would. But it is useless, you see, because he and, and some others say that, the, that I held back the police and permitted the young blacks to attack Jews. That's just not true. Did not happen. And uh, the, the the what it did happen was the the uh, there was rampaging and rioting and and um, and keep in mind that the police department of the city of New York is the best in the world at controlling riot situations. And uh, but for whatever reason they didn't handle this, and it wasn't un- until I said to the brass assembled. Whatever you're doing is not working, and you've got to get this under control. But I, I didn't figure that it was the job of the mayor to tell the firefighters how to fight fires, or tell the police how to control riots. That's, they are the experts, not I. And uh, so it's just inaccurate. But what was uh, hurtful, really, about it is I'm the same guy that, that stood at Madison Square Garden alone, not surrounded by security, when I was borough president, alone, and denounce Farrakhan for his statement that, that uh, Judaism is a gutter religion. Louis Farrakhan. Yeah. Now, and I can cite that and a whole lot of other instances wherein I stood up for and, and supported all kinds of Jewish causes. So to suggest that the same person, Dinkins, said to the police, no, let those blacks attack the Jews. And Koch should be ashamed of himself for saying that. Tell me more about what, you, what you're most proud of. Well, I'm, I'm proud of, of the fact that we did produce the police uh, to, and reduce crime. Many of the time I had a press conference and, uh, and I would point out that the FBI numbers had just come out because they, these are FBI numbers that we report, and that in the six or seven major index categories, uh, crime had dropped. And I would make that kind of statement and then leave it to Ray Kelly to go into detail. I I, I felt that's the job of police commissioner, but I would always make that announcement. I was proud of what we had done there. I was proud of the fact that 
we spent $47 million when we had no money. We really broke to keep each branch library open six days a week, which had not occurred in a quarter century. And was not occurring right now. Well, but, see, my friend, uh, Dr. Esther Fuchs, who's here at Columbia University, teaches that a budget is a political document in the sense that it orders one's priorities. And we thought that was important. We had something called the Increase the Peace Corps. Um, and and uh, we had one or two staff people and something in the neighborhood of 1,500 volunteers. These are the people that help keep the peace and calm things when, when racial strife was upon us. And I'm, 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 I'm proud of that. We didn't do it with a whole lot of money. We, did it, we didn't have a lot of money. We did it with damn little. I'm proud of the fact that uh, when we took office, we recognized that uh, we were in fiscal difficulty and we stood a chance of losing the U.S. Open to New York City. Uh, I was criticized because I'm a tennis fan, and they said, oh, well, he just likes tennis. But what we did was to enter into an agreement with the USTA, United States Tennis Association, long-term lease, and the USTA built that stadium, not the city, with city money, uh, and and very a lot of very knowledgeable people are unaware of that. A lot of people still go back and talk about it. I think just now, after the building of Yankee Stadium and City Field, people are saying, "Wait a minute, the city didn't pay hardly anything for that for that stadium out there in Queens." And Mike Bloomberg will tell you that this is the best deal in the nation for a municipal stadium, and it generates the U.S. Open in two weeks generates more revenue into the economy of the city and the Yankees, Mets, Knicks, and Rangers combined in a half season. And moreover, the money that goes directly into the city treasury, the rent that is paid, is a percentage of gross, not net. And I'm sure you will recall reading from time to time a dispute with the Yankees or with the old folks at at Shea, the predecessor to City Field, uh, about how much rent was due because it was net. And because they still are doing the same old thing. By the way, former Mayor David Dinkins, that's his word. He's the 106th mayor of New York City, actually the Jackie Robinson of New York City politics. And the first African-American to run City Hall, a daunting task that's never truly judged. We're trying to get some of that now until the office holder leaves office, and that was in 1993. That was the last last day. Right. And you you didn't have a lot of support then. As you ran for re-election, why, no, why well, is that? We, we we didn't have a lot, but we had we had so much so that we almost won. We we lost by this about the same margin by which we had won uh, four years earlier, and uh, we thought we were going to win. We thought it was going to be close, and so on a, a election night, um, and. There's a photograph of election night 89 right there on the wall. And we were very, very upset, or my supporters were, and they, the usual cries of we demand a recount and things like that. And there had been a press conference held at City Hall earlier that day because some white off-duty police officers were intimidating people in the line with questions like, have you ever been arrested, and, and do you have your driver's license? And 
nonsense, totally irrelevant whether or not one is permitted to vote. So they were unhappy. And, but on election night in my concession speech, uh, I concluded with, uh, in this country, we, we don't have coups and revolutions, we have elections. And mayors come and mayors go, but the city must endure. Mayors come and mayors go. How would you make, I'd like you to make some judgments about that. For example, uh, what do you, th- what'd you think about uh, Abe Beam as mayor? Well, I'm very fond of Abe. I like him a lot. And uh, I thought he, he, he got a, a pretty bum rap. Uh, uh, he, he really inherited from uh, his predecessors the fashion in which the city was doing business in those days. John Lindsay. Bar- yeah, Lindsay and Wagner, for that matter, borrowing money to, uh, for expense, and that you know, just should never do. I'd like to analyze the administration of Ed Koch. I think Koch did a, a, a good job in his first term. Thereafter, he had a lot of problems. I, I can see it like yesterday with him kissing Donald Mattis on the forehead. Who committed suicide after after uh, uh, a lot of corruption he, he in Queens. He had a lot of corruption going on in and around his administration. And uh, he conveniently forgets, overlooks. Um, but this is not to suggest that Ed Koch didn't do some some good things, but he, he's, he's not as great as he thinks he was. How about Rudy Giuliani? Two, two terms there. Well, Rudy, my problem, my quarrel with Rudy is such things as uh, Patrick Dorisman. Uh I, I want to remind you of who he was. Patrick Dorisman was an immigrant who was working as a security person. He was off-duty in plain clothes waiting at around midnight to get a ride home and uh, police officers, undercover cops, attempted a sting. He wanted to sell him drugs or buy drugs from him and he recoiled. He was just, just indignant. How dare you? It resulted in him getting shot and killed. And Rudy Giuliani said, oh well, he was no altar boy anyhow. Point one, so what if he was no altar boy? Point two, he in fact was an altar boy. Point three, uh, the, the reason he said he was no altar boy was he had some juvenile record which was supposed to be sealed. So here's a guy committing no crime, doing nothing, and he gets shot and killed by a police officer. And the best our mayor can say is, oh, well, he was no altar boy. And, and, and I, I won't, I, I don't... I, I hate to to get into Amadou Diallo. Uh, as a matter of fact, I am the chairman of the Amadou Diallo Foundation. Killed in the Bronx. Killed in the Bronx. Forty-one rounds fired. Nineteen of them hit him, and he had no weapon, committing no crime, doing nothing but mind his own damn business, and and, and things of that sort. That then is Abner Louima. He's the guy who was sodomized with a stick. These kinds of things happen on his watch. And this is before we get to uh, Rudy and uh, and uh, 9/11. Not, well, 9/11, but his his recommending to the President of the United States, uh, fellow for Homeland Security, um, Bernie Carrick. 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 Yeah. 
and each time I see Carrick's name, I think of Hewlin Jack. Hewlin Jack was the first black borough president of Manhattan who had his kitchen renovated by some developer. And uh, he not only lost his job as borough president, he went to jail. Bernie Carrick apparently is taking a plea to essentially the same thing. And um, it's it's sad, but, but that's Rudy's fault. Here's a guy who was a third-grade detective, and he got to be Rudy's driver, and he worked his way up, and then he was uh, in corrections. It was somebody else really running it, but he was there, and then he became commissioner of corrections, and then police commissioner, and then gets recommended to the President of the United States to head up Homeland Security by but, Rudolph Giuliani. A bad mistake. One last guy. Yeah, well. Mike Bloomberg. I like Mike. Uh, I, uh, I think he made a, a big mistake in uh, uh, changing the law to extend term limits. And I've, I've said to him, you know, privately uh, that I thought he ought not do that, that it would damage his legacy. And so a couple of weeks after that, he said to me, I see you didn't, you see I didn't take your advice. I said, yes, Mr. Mayor, and you'll notice I haven't had anything to say about it. Because this is, this is the first time I have publicly made this comment. Um, now? Right now? Right now. I mean, I've, uh, I think he made an error because... The people, by referendum, had twice said they didn't want to do this. Then you take the majority of the city council. Uh, in theory, you need only 26 members plus the mayor to change the damn law that the people said they didn't want changed. Why didn't you? Why didn't you say it out loud? Bill Thompson was African American mayor, African American candidate, nice guy. I, I, anyway, I I I, uh, I think Mike's a, a good guy. And, and uh, he, he is, like all the rest of us, is imperfect. And God's not finished with him yet either. What do you think you'd like to see him do before, before this, this third term ends, aside from not running again? Well, I'd like to see him change his policy with respect to the homeless. Um, I think uh, this, this business of charging homeless people who, if they have a job... They uh, are required to pay some rent. I think is counterproductive, and I wish he did do that. Um, but I think overall, uh, Mike's not bad. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not delighted with where we stand in in education. But he, like every other mother, mayor before him, had wanted to uh, have more control on education because the mayor gets the blame for it. and uh, But Mike's the first one who's been able to achieve that. Although he's he put in people in charge who are bureaucrats uh, uh, and not educators. And people who don't see the necessity of keeping the libraries open on Saturday, you know? Well, it's too bad. I want to thank you for sharing some of your thoughts about political life and legacy, your legacy. I think it might help historians and journalists learn more about 
the first African-American to run City Hall. And a dawning job that was. Thank you. Thank you. Conversations with Alan Walper's staff include Joanna Walper, the senior producer on the program. Doug Doyle is our news director. Until we meet again, my name is Alan Walper. Special thanks to Phantom Audio, a full-service production studio in New York's Flatiron District. And support for Conversations with Alan Wolper has been provided by the Blanche and Irving Laurie Foundation.